Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 70 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pender. And we're joined by a special guest this evening, head honcho from Curva Collective, Zachary Meissenheimer. It's always good to be with the head honcho of AFTN. And it's very apt that it's episode 70 because tonight was Italian Heritage Night here at BC Place and we're recording this podcast after the game at BC Place. You can probably tell that because you can hear the air conditioning and all the people are cleaning up. It's, it's the ambience that, that you come to know and love by listening to this podcast. But Italian Heritage Night, episode 70, Piloter Nagy, number 70. Do you think you should have got the start tonight just to, to honour all the Italians that were here? No, because essentially he was the, David Ossett was the only player that showed up in this game and deservedly won the man of the match. Yeah, Usted was immense tonight. Yeah, that, that, that was what that corny build-up was for. Terrible game at BC Place. Man of the match by a mile for the Whitecaps. David Usted, a couple of big saves in the first half. Didn't have a lot to do in the second half. Just kind of watched the ball hit his posts and crossbar. But it was a horrible game. It was an unfortunate uh, match today at BC Place. Yeah, the the players just didn't seem up for it. Uh, they didn't seem uh, they didn't seem match fit. Uh, it looks like the break really hurt them, and it also looked like they they played down to Montreal's level. Well, I think as well that they were wanting to honor Italian Heritage Night by playing like Italy did against Uruguay. Yeah, the, you got a point there, and also I think I think a little like you were saying match fit. I think a little rustiness mm. was in there too. They. Well, he, he did come on as a sub in the second half. <laughs> Rusty. <laughs> with his sideshow bob hair. Yeah, exactly. That, that was an unfortunate tune. He seems to be really making choices. I tell you, I, I haven't seen hair like that since those 70s porn films from Germany. <laughs> now, you're, you're German. Actually, your beard kind of looks like some of, some of those things from the 70s porn films. We, we need to get a vodcast, I think. Or we need to get vodka... Whilst we're doing the podcast. I'm kind of on the feeling that we're in after that game. Yeah, because Steve, you, you were working on very few hours of sleep. Yeah. And that, that game almost put you to sleep at times. You actually nudged me once, I think, during yep. the game. I was like actually nodding off. It, it, the first half was horrendous. The, that was just, the, I think, the worst half I've seen them play. I, I could be mistaken. Maybe an away game was worse. But... Uh, definitely. I, I certainly re- remember some of Martin Rennie's away games. Oh, I'm not talking about worse than that. Maybe I should clarify uh, this year under Carl. Oh Robinson. yeah, no, by by far, it's like even 
even the poor performances against Chivas in the second game of the season, nothing, nothing like that. Yeah, the, and it was just like, like the, Montreal's missing three of their best players: Devio, Map, uh, Philippe Martins, it, and they they had nothing going for yet. Montreal was the one uh, pushing the ball for, possessing the ball more. It seemed like. Vancouver wanted to give them the ball and try to do a counterattack and try to use the speed and that's another thing we should talk about. Everybody was talking about coming into this game, the sp- three guys up front with a lot of speed. It didn't seem like it worked at all. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, yeah, we put up the uh, the Steve Taylor uh, made Need for Speed banner tonight, and this is the first time that we've seen Eric play with Darren. Um, and Kakuta together. I know that's uh, like an old bet from David Norman Jr. and David Norman Sr. when those guys would actually play together. I think they were talking about that for first kick last year, and it never happened, and it hasn't happened until today. It was it was frustrating to to see that there. It's like the chemistry was not there. The the interchange in the play was not really what we had hoped for. Well, they, they they tried a few different formations at training this week, and that was the one that they were going with a lot. And I, I watched training on Monday. And watching that, like Eric and Darren, they teamed up really well. They were interchanging a lot. They were doing well. And even at training, Kakuta kind of seemed like the fish out of water, the odd man out. And he just he just wasn't in the game tonight. I don't think he suits being out in the wing. I don't think Matic suits being out in the left wing either. It's something I'd said in the podcast before. I was wanting to see if he could do that. We've seen it a little bit each on a few glimpses. The, I just don't think it's cut out for that. The glimpses, the, from time to time, it's okay to put him on the wing if you're switching him off, but you can't do it consistently for 90 minutes. Uh, one other thing is I thought Pedro Morales, I thought he had a decent game, but I think he had nobody really to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, there, like, it seemed like Hurtado, Mane, and Maddox weren't really connecting with him as well. He, he would do well when he was going back with Lava and Kofi, but... Going forward, it was like seemed like nothing was going right, and he wasn't able to connect with them. It changed a little bit when Fernandez came on, and we were hoping that he would come on even sooner because it seemed like the first half was dreadful. Yeah, I would have pulled Kakuta off at half time, but I think instead he just got an orange, and then he came back on for the second half. And <laughs> well, he had that shot at the beginning of the uh, yeah, second like he, half. He, right seemed like first, first. he seemed fired up. Yeah, but um, it quickly dissipated. Yeah, it, he just he didn't seem himself tonight, and he he hasn't. Like since Eric started to come through and stone all the, the thunder and got all the goals, Kakuta's kind of been on a bit of a downward spiral. I still am not a hundred percent sure that he is a starter. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a really valid question. I think that uh, I think that uh, Kakuta it didn't quite contribute uh, tonight the way we thought he would, um, and I think that it's, yeah, I think that. I wonder how much of like being beaten out by Eric for that starting role has is you know has played on his mind. It was sad to see that Eric tonight you know, ended his goal scoring streak because that was yeah he massive. didn't even have a sniff really no. of getting. I mean the, the the chances that we had. Let me if we look at the stats and the, the stats are pretty depressing stuff because Montreal, who at one point I think we worked out had seven defenders on the pitch, they had thirteen attempts on goal to the Whitecaps nine, and we had our three speed kings up front. Uh, that's just not right. But the only of those thirteen, only two were on target. Um, I, I they probably didn't include the post because they actually hit like I think three posts during that game. Well, yeah, because they had two attempts on target by the end of the first half. Yeah. So then they, they obviously crashed off the woodwork twice in so the that, second half. I guess half. that doesn't count on target, but, but it's still close chances and everything. So like I mean, that. would you give the woodwork man of the match ahead of Eisted? I think no. maybe, uh, well, maybe because it didn't help us either because Harvey hit that one off the post as yes. well. The, the, the Mitchell headed it. That was actually the probably our best chance, yeah. and the Morales free kick too. Yeah. Well, but talking about Mitchell, 
Now your real coker. Called Kyle Robinson. Kyle said he got a phone call at 3.45 this morning. He said that was the third call. He thought he'd eventually answer it. Uh, and it was Nigel saying, asking for permission if he if he could go to to go to his pregnant wife. So Kyle said, yeah, he could. And then he said he, he spent up until 5.30 yeah, working out who was going to play right back. And he eventually settled for Mitch. And I thought he had a not bad game. But you saw at times, like, you missed him actually tearing up the wing. There was a few breaks where, like, maybe Morales was going forward, and you said that he didn't have a lot of support, and he didn't. Like, the midfield was missing. There was just nothing there. And Kakuta and Darren are not guys that can do what I would describe as the grunt work in the midfield. So he didn't have that support. So he needed somebody going up that right wing. And there's a couple of times he looked for the run, and Carlisle wasn't making the run. There's a couple of times Carlisle was going to make the run and he kind of gave a glance at the bench and I think someone probably told him, no, just don't go any further forward and then he just stopped and went back. So we do miss that. But he, he came and he did not bad. Training all this week, the centre-back pairing was going to be Andy and Carlisle. That's what it was going to be. It wasn't going to be Johnny at the back. Um, so then Carlisle's kind of now gone out wide. Do you feel Leveron did enough tonight to, to stake that place instead of Demerit? Yeah, I, 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 well, I don't think we're worried about Demerit at all because I think he's not coming back for still a little while. Um, I think Johnny did decently. He wasn't spectacular or anything like that, but he definitely was much better than the Philadelphia game. And uh, I, we were talking about before the game. Uh, obviously, they didn't have time to prepare for this, but a three-five, a three-man back like uh, a three-five-two might have worked too. Putting Rusty yeah. on the right side. To- I, and, I meant and, meant to actually ask Kyle that after the game. Did he consider a three-five-two mm-hmm. at any point? But then he probably. They hadn't worked with it. That was the thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. they'd gone for the four-two-three-one all week in training. He had tried a couple of different scenarios. Some of the speedsters, some of the more attacking players that were good at crossing the ball. And I, I kind of think if you had the two Uruguayans instead of Darren and Kikuta, I think that would have worked quite well tonight. Oh, well, at least one of them, right? Yeah. It, it's. But, a... I was going to say before we go into that, let's just actually hear a little bit of what Carol had to say about that. And just some other stuff from Carl from the aftermatch press conference, and then we'll get back to talking about the game. So here's Carl Robinson post game. Well, it wasn't very enjoyable watching it, was it? Uh, I didn't enjoy watching it, and I think the players didn't enjoy playing in it. So, a bad day at the office, I think we call it. We take a point, you know, against a team that I think we're happy for a point. They could have won it. I think we could have won it, and then maybe the second half. But uh, performance levels weren't uh, to the standard that we've we've played already this year. You know, but I'll give them one. Considering that where they are in the standings, don't you see this two points lost? Though? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. You know, we're going to have to make up two points somewhere along the line, and you know, we go to Colorado on Saturday. Tough place to go, uh, Western Conference team. So you know, we we'll go there and try and win because if we win and we pick up four points out of two games, then it's not uh, positive points total. So yeah, it is two points lost, um, but they've gone now. I can't get them back, unfortunately. But we'll have to try and make up them somewhere. Um, I think we were. Uh, not lazy in our, in our play, but we were not playing at an urgent with an urgency and a tempo that we have done. Um, but like I said, I'll give them one. Carl, you thought practice was good last week in intense. Yeah. Did you have some sense, based on what happened this week, that, that maybe something like this was in the well, thing, or did it surprise you? No, nah, listen, going on the, the performance and training last week, and they were excellent. Maybe I should have given them two weeks off, and then I would have got a good reaction this week. But no, you know. Th- Giving players time off is always a difficult uh, time because, you know, whoever wins, it's the right thing to do, and whoever loses, it's the wrong thing to do. So 
it was the right time for us mentally. I think we needed a break physically. Obviously, towards the end, we're getting cramped again. So, you know, some of the guys who haven't played the majority of minutes, Carlisle, who was excellent tonight. Um, but we'll review it. We'll analyse it. The performance can be better. Of course, it can. Um, you know, but they're not going to come here and lie over, lie over. And they didn't. You know, they thoroughly come and probably got something that they deserved. You um, went with the three speedsters up front. Yeah. Didn't quite click. Was that? from unfamiliarity or the way that Montreal defended them? I think they defended great, I really did. Uh, you know, he, he had to make changes, Frankie. Um, you know, he, he's missing probably his three best players. So when players are missing, other players come in and they, and they do very well. And I think the guys defensively from Montreal were excellent. So three uh, speedy guys obviously had a quiet evening. Uh, I think all of them were below the level that they should have been. And I tried to freshen it up and even slightly change the formation, but I said, uh, we'll get back to work tomorrow. You know, you, sometimes you pick your team based on um, what you think is the right team to win the game. I, I thought the three speedy guys would win us the game today. In hindsight, maybe it would have been better me putting the three technical, more technical guys or two of the more technical guys and bringing the speedy guys on towards the end. But, you know, like, like I said, I can't take that back. But I'm sure when we, you know, we draw nil-nil, so maybe someone will say we need a centre forward now, which is great. <laughs> Are you likely to have Beta back? Yes. Yes, I spoke to Better and hopefully he's um, going to meet us there, which is a good sign. Yeah, Nigel called me last night, uh, well, this morning at 3.45 in the morning. Oh. You know, for some reason I had my phone on, which was my wife wasn't, wife wasn't too happy about. But 3.45, the third call I answered and he asked me if he could go back because obviously his uh, wife was is about to give birth. So I couldn't say no and I think it's, you know, he wanted to go back. It's the right thing to do and I wanted him to be there when obviously he becomes a father. So he come. I didn't sleep till 5.30. Who, who was I going to play right back? And I changed my mind five times. The reality is, you know, Ethan Sampson's injured, better's away. Nigel, who stood in admirably, has been fantastic, is away. So it was like putting a square peg in a round hole. And, you know, I, I toyed with the idea of putting Jordan there and Russell there and Mehdi there. Um, and eventually I'll come up with Mitch. Um, but it was credit to him today. I thought he was excellent. He's a centre-back. He's very athletic, but he was fantastic today. A very positive performance by him in an unfamiliar position. Well, Carl there saying he doesn't want to watch the game again. Hey, let's just not talk about it. No, I guess we better. We've, we've got air to fill. Um, now, Zach, you were saying that you, you guys were talking about it in the stands, just like the strange decision about not going for three at the back. And who would you have liked to have seen? Like the way that Carl said he knew how Montreal were, were going to play. And in hindsight, he should maybe have gone for the more technical players. Do you feel that would have been maybe the right move? Hindsight's a great thing. I, I was excited to three, see the three speedsters, but now looking back, I think it would maybe have been better if, if we had had at least one more technical player out there. Yeah, I think well, I think you need to try. You know, we needed to try those three together at some point, and today it felt like this could be a good day with Montreal's kind of not you know not super quick back line. I thought it, we could expose them far more than we did. But yeah, we were talking about you know. Could we have tried three at the back? And, like, you think about this game with Montreal, especially as the week developed and you began to hear about who's not coming and that kind of stuff, and just the fact that, you know, yeah, demerits out. And is this an opportunity for us to try, uh, you know, three at the back with Andy in the middle and Johnny on the left and, and, and Mitch on the right? And um, especially with also with, with Beta being away, like, it was... It kind of looked like it, like a, a perfect opportunity to try that, and so it was a little puzzling, especially when you knew Montreal was going to be so defensive coming here. Well, yeah, I mean, as soon as you knew that Devio hadn't made the trip, which I, I mean, that that's just a kick in the teeth to all his Italian heritage people that were here tonight. Totally. But I mean, he has kind of passed to his best. <laughs> oh, 
Nice pun there. Um, so, how about some other guys? I think I, one, one of the guys I thought did well in the midfield was Gersh. Uh, I thought he I thought he was strong on the ball. Uh, but obviously, one thing we have to look at when it comes to the Colorado game, looking forward a little bit, is will he be able to be available? That late elbow he threw, um, is that going to be a retroactive punishment on that? He got a yellow for it. Yeah. I th- I, when I saw the elbow, I thought red yeah, for he, sure. Like you thought red right away. I couldn't see what color the card that the referee was holding up. It was like really impossible to see. And then when I watched the replay, I thought, oh yeah, he's off. I, I do have a sneaking feeling that they're going to look at it and he's going to be missing from, from Saturday. He might not have actually played Saturday anyway because I think he... Carl said at training that he's planning to use pretty much his whole squad over this month in the stretch of games. So we might actually have seen Tybert coming in and partner, partnering Laba on Saturday anyway and, and give Gersh a rest. But I thought Gersh was one of the few players that maybe got past marks tonight. Other than Elstead, yeah, one of one of the few definitely. Um, one other thing we can, uh, as you heard in the in the press conference, you asked yourself, uh, uh, Carl Robinson is, is Stephen Bedishore going to be available for Saturday, and he seemed optimistic about that. What do you guys think about the the travel from Brazil? He never played in any games, but he trained and everything like that. And that the temperature, do you think he'll be effective, or do you think he'll have rust in, rustiness too? Well, he'll be a little bit rusty, but I think he'll be good to go. He's trained non-stop. He's trained in heat. He's trained probably in altitude. Don't know exactly where Iran were based. And Zach is like sporting an Iran top here. I kind of wish we had had the video on. Um, he didn't play. He's probably going to fly out. Kelsey is going to join them in Colorado. The players are flying out really late for Colorado. They're not actually flying out from Vancouver until Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Because the, the general feeling is you can't acclimatize in a day yeah. or two days anyway. So what the hell, just get there as late as you can. Be there for as little time as possible. And I don't think it's going to be a disadvantage for better. And I think it's going to be better for the Whitecaps, him just being in. Yeah, I think they'll, if uh, so we'll, we'll play the back four there. So, yeah, it, it'll be much needed to have... Uh, to have him there and I think that yeah hopefully this time away this experience away uh, with not playing will have him hungry uh, to get back on the pitch and play no and uh, Luis Suarez hungry can't we (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to that later oh man but before we we can uh, turn our attention to the Colorado game last thing I want to ask you guys about tonight against Montreal are there any positives you can take from tonight apart from extended our unbeaten run to eight games even that like if it's frustrating. Like, it's 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 two lost points, just like Philadelphia. I mean, we're back to back games here where we dropped four points in, in, in these games that well, felt I mean, like as, they were yeah, ours. As Carol said, he now feels it's two points lost. They have to make up two points somewhere else now. Totally, totally. And and Colorado has not been kind to us. Uh, I think apart from Darren Strike was it last year um, or two years ago, or whatever. But. Yeah, it's a difficult place to play, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I think we might be fortunate to, to get one point in Colorado. So we'll come to that in a sec. But Steve, any positives you can take from tonight? Yeah, other than Elstead, not really. Uh, I, but I wouldn't even put too many negatives on it because, like we said, everybody was coming out of a break. Um, Montreal was playing defensive basically the whole game, except for a couple of movements up front. So you know, let's move on from this game and go to the next one. Well, I guess was it was it a seller? It was a sellout, 21,000. Wow. Seventh consecutive sellout. 
just a shame that they kind of served up that entertainment. Yeah, I'm using like air quotes for the entertainment word there. Yeah, there there weren't there weren't very many empty spaces. I guess some of the people obviously can't make it to the games and whatever like that on a Wednesday. But it seemed like a pretty full compared to other games. It seemed fuller than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, definitely. At the beginning of the game, it didn't seem like it was going to be like the fifteen thousand that we had for TFC midweek. And of course, as it was Italian Heritage Night. Lots of Italian mothers here. They are quite portly, so they probably took up two seats. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, all the Italian women I know are not portly. You should introduce me to them. So, before we move on from the Montreal Boar Fest, uh, we asked some of our listeners on Twitter for their thoughts on the game tonight. I'll read you some of the best because we had a huge response. Um, way more response than we usually get. AFTN writer and sometimes podcaster Jay Duke, he asked, what does Nico Mosquita have to do to get in the lineup? Seems like a game he would have been useful in. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, and yeah, his passion and the way he's contributed when he's come on late in games, uh, I think he could have been one of the people that could have come on and given us a spark. I mean, obviously, we were hoping for that with Seba and, and Omar late. Um, yeah. And you think he would have been inspired after watching his national team oh. take a bite out of Italy as did, well? Did you guys see his video? Yeah, no, I didn't see it. The video where he's out the window at the at the at the house, no. like waving shirt around, going mental. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. They were they were up for it. Seba and Nico today, yeah, because of the World Cup, like we talked yeah. about before the game, they were up for this match. I I think we will see both of them against Colorado. I thought I think we were going to see that anyway. I think that was always a plan. And at the end of the day, the Colorado game, which, as I say, we'll come to, that's the bigger game for me anyway because it's Western Conference mm. rival. We're tied nine points with them. That's a game that's it's huge. Yeah, but, huge implications. But the problem is with them playing on Saturday is the Uruguay might be out of the tournament by then, so it might be <laughs> they might be down a little bit before that game, so it's bad timing on that one. I, I know this is going back to the game, but one, one, of, the, one of the frustrating things was we played badly against... Uh, the bottom table, uh, the bottom of table team again. Like this is something we've done over and over again, going back to last year and previous years. Like how how can we play so bad against teams that are so so poor in the standings? We play to their level basically. We don't. Uh, it seems like that maybe they take them for granted or they don't. They don't get up for the game because they think it's going to be a cakewalk or something like that. So it, uh, yeah, it, it's it's troubling. Last year I think they were beating the lower teams, but I'm, I'm I could be wrong about that. The Montreal podcast of the Woodworks, that's with an X, uh, they felt that the best player for the Whitecaps tonight was the Woodwork. I think our good friend there is just actually wanting a plug for his podcast. So follow him at Off the Woodworks. Shoe Thief, at Stuck in the Sofa on Twitter, he said, hasn't everyone been screaming about leaking goals? There you go. So he, he's happy with, with a clean sheet anyway. He's German. He's excited for tomorrow's match. Rudy Schuller from Go.com at Rudy Schuller, he said, I just shot myself in the head after watching that game and can no longer process thoughts, but top marks on him for being able to type. <laughs> Rudy's a talented guy. Matthew DeCap at Elizant X, he said, Eistead saved today. Kofi had dangerous runs forward. Others looked like they'd eaten pizza and chugged beer for two weeks. I think he possibly had just had a look at Curva Collective. Dave Heinrichs, Said, boring, lethargic, sluggish. He's one of our partners. Some guy at the Tamax, he just says, snooze-faced. 
Stubbs at J underscore Stubb. Kofi should have had the confidence to take a shot on his big run instead of laying off to Maddox. That was disappointing for me because mm. Gers did so well in that run, got past players. I thought he was going to have a foul at one point. He fought into such a good position. Maddox getting the, the greedy Maddox of old and went for the shot instead of looking for the better pass as far as I was concerned. TFA at TFA Tweet said, I would love to see Omar and Fernandez get a start with her taro. He felt that they both played with urgency when they came on. And again, he thought that Eisted saved the day along with the woodwork. Andy M at Swampo, he wants to know what was up with Pedro tonight. He just felt that his pass completion and challenges were just both poor tonight. Well, I think that comes to the point where we were talking about that he had nobody to play with. Mm. And they weren't really uh, getting into the right spots. John Ward at Fritz Agrand, he just sums it up perfectly by saying, Pish. Can you, can you translate for the rest of us? Yeah, he, he's, he's Scottish. That means it was not a very good performance. Kurt Hamilton, or Kurt Ham. Maddox looked worse than Rooney playing on left wing. If he's touching the ball in our half, then we are set up wrong. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't think so. I, I kind of agree. I, I, I mean, Worse than Rooney? Rooney set up the well, yeah, goal. Maybe I can't agree with that. Glass City at Jeremy Andrew 14. He said, poor selection by Robo, starting both Manny and Matix out of position on the wings. May we never see the three times 100 again. That, I, think, I think that's unfair. I think like this was a game to try something, and we tried something, and it didn't work. Uh, I know it's frustrating for us all, but at least we got to see what those three together look like. I, I do think that on their day, they will be fantastic. And if they had got an early goal, I think their confidence would have been just soaring through them mm-hmm. and they would have been fantastic. The problem right now, though, is which we've alluded to earlier in the show, Hurtado's the only one of those three that's scoring. So Manny and Matix both have this streak in them where they, they, they turn selfish and they don't look up. I said this in one of my preview things for Soccerly, that they need to lose that selfish streak, that they need to to look up and see the best pass and not just have head focused on goal. I like a striker to shoot, don't get me wrong, I want that. I'd rather a striker shoot than all the ticky-tacky passing in front of the box and not having a shot. But you have to do it at the right time. And too often more than not, they, they just have a bit of a selfish streak to them. So that, that's all about the game. I don't think we I think we've dragged it out for about 20 minutes longer than, than we needed to. So we'll turn our attentions now to the Colorado game. Guys, what are you expecting from Saturday? As Zach said, Colorado hasn't been too favourable to us. The weather is horrible just now. In the US Open Cup game between Colorado and Atlanta on Tuesday night, they had to actually evacuate the stadium and get and get the people out there because of all the storms. There's tornadoes, there's thunder, there's lightning. Um, they had to evacuate the pitch too because they had sent like seven people off with red cards yeah that, that, that was a fantastic <laughs> game if anyone gets the chance I tweeted this out last night it was late last night on Tuesday it's on YouTube I think you can also still view it through the NASL.com get to the 50 minute mark in the stream because they don't have the whole game and you'll see the tackle that got three Atlanta Silverbacks sent off one Colorado Rapid and three coaches fantastic entertainment wow it was essentially a defender and uh, the equipment manager or something like that, the coaching well, team. But, but like Pablo, Mas- Atlanta. Pablo Mastroeni and Eric Ronaldo both yeah. got sent to the... To and the, the assistant hot, was for Atlanta heads. too was gone too. Yeah, hot So heads. they had nobody to coach Atlanta. Actually, Ronaldo a hothead? 
I so think, anyway, I, what, how, how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I think obviously we're up for some squad rotation. Um, so I think we'll see. We might get to see um, Mitch, as you were saying, play alongside Andy. I think with, we might even see Mitch play alongside Leveron. Um, Maybe not well, now because yeah, they kind of need the three break. points. But yeah, they just they, Andy just had a break, right? Uh, yeah. A really long break. So. Yeah, he was back in the UK visiting his mum. Yeah. But yeah, so I think you could see you could see Mitch with Andy Beta hopefully back at right back with uh, Sam Kube at left back. Okay, maybe, maybe no, maybe, I, don't, maybe, I don't think I'm, Sam's ready. Yet. I'm, I'm, I know, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just, Sam was playing uh, in the scrimmages on Monday, and it was great to see him moving about yeah. again. I think if he was good enough to play, he'd probably be down with the 18s though oh. at at the playoffs. Well, well, he, I, he, I think he might probably he might. Uh, show at the PDL game on Sunday against Seattle at U23 so that might be something that gets him back into the game Ethan Sattis has sounded I talked to him in the elevator going down and he says he's close to getting ready to start training again uh, no, I was just—I was just giving you heart. I was—I said that Sam thing for you guys. Uh, Sam is is ready to go though. I talked to him before, and he's—he's—he's he's, he's healthy and uh, ready to be a part of things. So well, that's I'm, surpri- I'm a little surprised he's not with the team. Yeah. He, he will get some minutes, I think, in July because Jordan does need to get a bit of rest. He's played yeah. every minute, every game yeah. so far, and yeah. So I think midfield—that was our key problem tonight. We just had nothing going. So we're going to see Pedro still there, our new captain. I expect to see the two Uruguayans either side of him. Mm-hmm. And at the back, I, I do think it's going to be Tiber and Laba, whether it's because Kofi's suspended or whether it's just going to try and freshen it up a bit. Russell tonight, I mean, he came in, he didn't have much time to do anything, he didn't really do anything, but at least he's fresh. Yeah. Do you see them saying 4-2-3-1 just because we're on the road and you want that double shoot? Yeah, I, I, I think they will. Up front, I mean, I don't think he's going to drop Eric just after the no, one game. No. I would like to see a little bit more of Omar. It's like you're, you're not going to see much from him just coming on in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I just, I don't, I think Eric's proven going back to, you know, the Columbus away match that he can put in that away performance and hold the ball up the way I never, I, honestly, I never thought he could. No, neither I thought you were going to say about that you can't hold it up. And no. I was like, well, uh, should you be comparing yourself to Eric? No, I, I can play as a hold up striker. Actually, that's all I do because I can barely run. So I have to hold up my balls most of the time. So, predictions. I'm going to go with, it's going to be a shocker to everyone, a 2 1 Colorado win. My head says uh, two or three one Colorado. My heart says one one or two one us. I say one one draw. Wow, well, got a, kind of split here. We haven't got Predictor Pooch um, making his prediction tonight. Predictor Pooch, the original soccer <laughs> predicting dog. I just like to point out. You can follow him on Twitter at Predictor Pooch. Hey, isn't uh, impersonation the finest finest form of flattery? Oh, it is. I, I, it's like it's like. Obviously, obviously, young guy. It's like he's he's got his looks just now. But the thing is, like, Predictor Pooch is ten now, and he still has a look. So I mean, Obi's going to lose that. So let let him have it while he's young. For real. And to finally, quick uh, shout out also to the residency teams uh, oh. in Indiana. Speaking of Colorado weird weather, the Indiana is getting some weird weather there too. Yeah, tornado touchdown forty minutes away from where they were playing on Tuesday. They were evacuated off the pitch for a couple of hours. The U16s, yeah. Um, U18s uh, drew their first game, won their second game. Uh, they're playing against, the, I think, the top team in the USSDA, yep. the number Beth one team. Beth uh, Olney or something. Yeah. That will be over by the time everyone listens to this. It's yeah. uh, something like 7 o'clock on Thursday morning. But both the under-16s and the under-18s, if they win, win their last group game, 
they're both through to finals week and that would be fantastic for the program fantastic for the guys and just great publicity and for the White under a new format too if the U16s win oh, yeah. um, they may host one of the games we might have a home depending match. on if the USSDA is going to allow them to host of course SFU SFU because there's a new format because SFU was supposed to host some games too but obviously the NCAA found a way not to do that so we'll see what what holds up but obviously both teams like I said must yeah win. that would be massive that would be fantastic obviously on, on our site as well we're doing the Red mm-hmm. week so keep an eye on that we did our top five for the U16s uh, we'll do a top five for uh, U18s later on and we'll discuss it in a later podcast so that we uh, can discuss and yeah, and I will speak to some of the guys as well when, when they come back from Indiana. So that, that's all for the Whitecaps part of the show. We're going to turn the rest of the show over to the World Cup. Just a little bit of a quick chat about that because obviously over the last couple of podcasts you've just heard my thoughts on the World Cup and some of the Whitecaps players. So we'll get the thoughts of Steve and Zach. Before we do that though, I just want to play a bit of fun audio that I got on Monday. Uh, it was the day after the USA-Portugal game. Portugal's 95th minute equaliser and I just had to ask Mr America, Jordan Harvey what you thought about the game How are you feeling after yesterday? Great, great After a day off? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh man I thought you had just blocked that out of your memory <laughs> Felt like a loss, didn't it? That was a tough one Yeah, last second, man Oh, that was disappointing Still got a chance though Yeah, how would you have defended Optimistic that? Would you have been better defending? Oh, come on <laughs> Come on, it was a great ball by Ronaldo, pinpoint man, it was great, um, really entertaining game, enjoyed watching it, um, I, was, I was screaming a little bit and that last goal, I, I don't even think I said anything, it just took the wind out of my sails, so I'm looking forward to the next one. So we're recording this obviously on Wednesday evening, there's the last set of first round matches to, to go and the big one tomorrow is Germany. Versus USA. Versus Germany too. <laughs> the Germans that are the proper Germans and the Germans that weren't good enough to actually play for Germany. Essentially. Yeah. I don't think that the uh, the Germans will be as uh, as gracious and as giving tomorrow. In no. tomorrow's game, well, regardless of the fact that a uh, draw will see them both go through with Germany uh, going on top, I think that... Uh, I think that there might. Um, I think that they're going to go for the jugular a little bit. I think so you don't think it's going to be like biscotti time, like everybody's no, talking about no, the, no, the no, Italian no. term for like you know. No, no, no. Well, no, see, no. I, I just keep because I'm old. Yeah. I keep remembering World Cup '82, yes. Germany, Austria, Austria poor yeah. Algeria, never got through because of that. And I remember watching that game as a kid, and I was just it was it was almost as boring as this game really to, tonight at BC Place although we did have some shots tonight I'm not even sure there was a shot in, in that in that game No, I, but, I mean the, the Germans aren't known for being giving um, and they're not known for making mistakes I mean the last mistake I know the Germans made was probably invading Russia in the winter thoughts on the first round so far I, I put some of this out onto Twitter what would you say your your game of the first round has been I think the one I enjoyed the most was probably Chile versus Spain uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of the tick attack, and I just love the way Spain uh, Spain went down and, and basically exited the World Cup. It just felt like good for a, you know a team that played direct. Even the Netherlands game against Spain, I just loved watching that too. I know Zach obviously doesn't because he's not a very good big Netherlands fan. No, but I was happy. I was happy for them to beat Spain. Yeah. So, but but I th- I thought those the, just watching Spain lose and just like everybody always talking about them and making them such. Like a big team and everything like that. It was just good to see him lose. And even some of the big upsets, like watching Costa Rica beat 
these teams and it was just very surprising. Yeah, I mean, Costa Rica has been the, the you were happy about the beat, so far, but uh, them eliminating England too. I think. I uh, yes, I mean for me, um, the the celebration of the first round was me when Luis Suarez got that second goal <laughs> to to put England out. But I wasn't sure if I celebrated that as much or when Costa Rica won the next day that officially put them out. Yeah. It was, it was kind of torn. I was I was a very happy lad for kind of forty eight or twenty four hour period. It's been it's been a a, a pretty amazing uh, World Cup. Um, obviously, from a German perspective, yeah, it was great to crush Portugal. Um, I was there last time. We we played them in uh, in uh, well in 06, and we beat them three one in the uh, the third place game. And every time Cristiano Ronaldo touched the ball, the entire crowd booed. And uh, we yeah played them off the pitch that day. And um, thanks to Pepe and his poor decision making. Um, we uh, we did that again this year, but yeah, there's been gr- there's been great games. Even like it was yesterday, I, all the days blend together now. But like yesterday, even that night, you know, Nigeria Argentina game. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, like you know, like where Ar- Ar- that was surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's been a few games that when you see them on paper, you're like, ah, uh, because those know how two this is gonna be. Th- those two teams could easily played to a draw if yeah. they mm-hmm. wanted to, and they would have advanced them. Yep. But they actually played well, like you know, balls out and everything like that, and just went for the game. Totally, I think for for me. <clears throat> Things things about this World Cup that have stood out are um, sexy girls in the crowd for me. Yeah. A few I, things stood out there. The, the, the crowd, the crowd is a part of it. One is the number of empty seats, which I know has partly been down to transportation issues or whatever. But uh, like I've been surprised at how poor like the atmosphere is, and I think that's part partly FIFA and partly you know you know it being on a you know on a, not in Europe or not you know not not a, not having a European host, but like. The atmosphere of the games that comes through on TV, I know it's probably a lot different in the stadium, is really poor. Like, there's... there's, there, there's I, if, I thought it hadn't been too if bad. You, if you listen to the radio broadcast, which I've had to do a couple times, I, the yeah, ESPN I've, I've, I've one, done that. and they're, the, maybe they're pumping up the volume, but the crowd is way too loud in those, in those things. So I don't know if the, the TV's kind of dulling the sound or something like that so the broadcaster it could be something like that that we're not getting the full atmosphere through the the, through the TV because they, they the, maybe the BBC who obviously CBC is using is uh, you know knocking the volume down so they, their broadcasters can talk because obviously they're not loud people the English right when they're broadcasting a soccer game so they want the I, I, usually just when they're th- trashing countries I don't know how much they have <laughs> to, to gain from that like I think you want you want atmosphere yeah and it, it, at least like, there's no vuvuzelas because well, I, I, I know yes. so much with the sound down so, four years ago no no four years ago we all, all our heads were stuck in a beehive but this year it's like to use a Tom Tom York phrase it's like this bunch of refrigerator buzz like it's just like nothing meaningful hardly any ch- I mean some games have had some chanting and stuff like that and, and FIFA is so well, seems to be so opposed to anyone bringing in the stadium in terms of visual d- d- support that like you have oh yeah the, the English fans weren't the English band weren't allowed to get their instruments in which yeah. I thought was hilarious yeah it's ridi- ridiculous the biggest flag I've seen in the game was somehow someone from Sweden had like a 4x4 a four four or like a 6x6 six six or something from Sweden? no not Sweden sorry Switzerland and I was like but that, oh but that's what happens at the World Cup and we're going to see it next year here for when we host the Women's World Cup when it's a FIFA event it's like the Olympics as well it's so heavily regulated yeah, it's like so you're limited with what yeah, you can that's, do that's where you have to wonder like Christian Og tweeted this out like that 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 po- the Columbia fan that was dressed like a Pope with 
Nazi symbols, Nazi, Nazi symbols and marijuana, marijuana things on there. I was like, wait, where did? Well, it's, it's a swastika. It might not have meant Nazi. It could be obviously swastika means other things too. Yeah. But it was like, I was like, where did this guy get? Maybe the. You, Maybe they, he, they knew what he was up to and he was part of a different group, but it was just funny to watch that. I, what do you guys think of about the most disappointing team to go through so far? To I, I think go through Greece. Yeah, I think Greece, yeah. I, I, I think it's clear Greece. Like I would have loved to see an Ivory Coast uh, get through, but they, they, they let themselves down in that game. I concur. I would prefer to have seen Ivory, the Cote d'Ivoire go through. My, Michael, why... why I saw some of your tweets. I didn't see all of them. Why were why were you so frustrated with Greece? Did you, you because you didn't feel it was a penalty or their style or well, only yeah, scoring right. in one match or? I I find them one of the most boring countries to watch, just in general. Okay. The only country I find more boring to watch is Russia, and we're recording it. I mean, Russia could still go through, yeah. and that. If the two of them played each other, it's like the world would just stop out of boredom. It's like it would just be the end. I just find the. They're far too defensive. I just hate defensive teams in general. The whole penalty thing, I've had so many discussions with people on Twitter about this. I still don't think it was a penalty. I've seen Samaras play enough in Scotland to know that he goes down so easy at the slightest touch. He did dive at the end of it, or he made the most of it. There is the the thing, it's like, the guy's leg went out. I don't think his leg went out. I, I personally think it was incidental contact. I think Samaras actually swung his leg out. I, I, I initially thought he swung it out to make the contact. I Maybe I'm backing off that a little bit, and I think he was maybe swinging it to take a shot. But I just don't think it was a penalty. And I to think lose there, like that in, I, in stoppage time is just heartbreaking. I think it, there was contact. Um, I'm not saying there wasn't contact, but I don't think it was a foul. It's just my opinion. I, I, I think there can be incidental contact in a box without it being a dive and without it being a foul. It's like sometimes people just make contact. I think, I, I think it was a, I think it was a penalty. But um, yeah, I think this is the world we live in, right? Where you need to sell to the referee what what you feel has yeah. happened, or it's like what, what is the point though? I mean, this was one of the things I tweeted. What is the point of playing to the rules when other countries don't? And like, okay. like let's go away from that Greek penalty. But it's like this the whole Suarez thing. And this was another discussion I had. Who he was saying Uruguay didn't cheat, Suarez did, but Uruguay didn't. And it's like, yeah, but if Suarez had been sent off, it would have disrupted the play. And I know it's a case then of what ifs, and you're going down all that route. But I just don't think Uruguay would then have scored that goal. It'd be ten v ten. The whole play would have been disrupted. That move would not have happened. Yes, they may have still got a goal, but we'll never know. But I think that basically cost that lot given that decision got Uruguay through and we've seen it before with Uruguay when Suarez handled on the line mm-hmm. stopped a penalty went to a shootout then and they, they got through that if you cheat that that's the message that I take from these games if you cheat you're going to prosper okay so I, I wrote a blog for this about this for the, the 2010 World Cup and uh, the people I wrote the blog for they don't have it anymore and I don't have a hard copy of this but you should write it again for AFT I, I should write it again totally no what this is part of what this is is we have a clash of cultures that, that's, that's what this comes down to. And football has been influenced by certain cultures more so than others for a variety of reasons. What it comes down to is in, in countries like Uruguay and South America, I, I, I don't know which countries it would be exclusive to or if it's all of them, so I don't want to say, oh, this is all countries in South America or and maybe Central America. You are considered to be clever if you can con the referee. And it's a, a positive thing. 
So if you can con the referee, you are considered to to be like that's a good thing. Yeah. So and and, well, it's, and, like, it's, and it's accepted. So with Fernandez with that whole yeah. totally, 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 yeah. yeah. And it, so it, it's a positive thing. No one looks down. And if you get caught, yeah, it's not great. But no one looks no one looks down on you in that way because that's part of the culture. So you have. Because uh, so, fo- football is such a world game, where yeah, you have you have these things that are part of life that influence the game. So you have you have this from the South American South Americans, and over the years, it has not been stamped out by FIFA or stamped out by or uh, you know North American, where we're like, no, you or you got to be, you got to do things honest and you got to do things right and whatever. Um, they haven't done anything or they haven't done enough. To stamp that out of the game, and so it has taken hold in the world game all over the world. Yeah. And now it is a is it a it is a part of the game. The embellishment, the making sure the ref sees it, and part of it is you know the fact of you know it's a sporting event, and you want your team to win, and all that kind of stuff. And you'll do everything you can, and you want to make sure the referee knows you got touched or whatever, and all that kind of stuff. But that's where to me, that's what I believe. It's come from. It's oh come, yeah, it's you're come, right. It's a, it's a clash of culture. And, and so it's so it's kind of it can it can be. I'm not saying you are, but it can be ethnocentric of someone to say. I, I disagree with this culture. I, I, so, like, I remember years ago, Paul Stelteri in a gold cup when he was playing as a striker, which is funny in and of itself, um, got through against like, Cuba or something. He got taken down, but he got up again and was able to get the shot off, right? Had that been, a, had that been maybe his opponent from Cuba or, again, someone from, let's say, Uruguay or Argentina, had they been taken down, there's no way they would have got up. They would have just said, ref, I've been fouled. They would have done everything to make sure the ref know that they got taken down and won the penalty. Paul Solteri got up, got the shot, it got stopped, or whatever, you know, game gets on. And in Canada, we're like, wow, Paul Solteri's awesome. He did his best. He worked hard. Guy took him down. He got up and got the shot off. I, I come from a culture and a time that if you did that in a game, someone would come and punch your puss. But yeah, it's like it just would not be tolerated. And... Like, Carol Robinson's a little bit from that culture as well, which is why he came down so hard mm-hmm. on, on Seba after what happened down in Portland. It is an aspect of the modern game. I'm a bit of a hypocrite because if my side <laughs> won a vital game or won a cup or Scotland got through to the World Cup or won a big game in the World Cup because of a dive, I would be making excuses for them. Mm-hmm. Not sure I could make an excuse for somebody, one of my players that showed cannibalism, <laughs> but I would probably still try. Yeah, and, it's, and, and, and yeah, so that's why you, that's why it's good. So we are all hypocrites. It's like when you're yeah. watching as a neutral, it's like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. But when it's your player, you want your team to win. Yeah, I mean, look how much Camilo dived. Yeah, yeah. kind of we were and like, it, oh. And and again, I would I I don't know if you know I wouldn't say wholeheartedly, but I think that's probably again part of Brazilian football culture is you're considered clever to be rough. Some Brazilian can correct me on that if they want, but uh, I know in Argentina for sure it is. Uh, Uruguay, I believe it's it's the same. Like it's. It, it, that's a part yeah. of the, the way the way it works, and but, and for us, we look at it with like disgrace, and we are so offended by it. But that's that's how, that's how it is. It'd be interesting actually to get some of our South American guys if they wanted to talk about that. They might not want to because yeah. it is obviously a very sensitive subject that folk don't like talking about. Now we were talking about Canada there and Paul Saltieri and everything like that. Canada obviously not at this World Cup, Kel Supri. They could be eight one by Honduras. Honduras have been woeful. How bad would Canada have been if we got there? No, I mean, ironically, uh, uh, Honduras was outscored in this uh, World Cup eight-one as well. And I thought that was a nice fact. Someone tweeted that out this morning. It's like nice. No, I mean, you that I mean that game was woeful and is a yeah like a 
a watermark in Canadian football, if you know, for how bad things are at this time or how far we maybe are. I I I think it's hard to take that eight one and yeah, apply to everything going forward, you know, kind of thing. Like you you have to say, Okay, yeah, we, we lost, we lost bad and it looks like the players on the pitch that day gave up a bit and that's why we got smashed so bad. I, I uh, you know, the, the ultimately, ultimately, if we got a result against Honduras at home, well, that game would have been yeah. me- meaningless. Yeah. And the, in the first game in Honduras, we're playing France. There was so much hate on my Twitter timeline from Canadians towards Honduras. And I pointed out during it, why don't you turn your hate to the right people? Honduras won that 8-1 game mm-hmm. fair and square. They were the better team by a country mile. Turn your attention to the powers that be in Canada and ask the, t- the difficult questions. Why are we getting beat 8-1 by a team that goes to the World Cup and gets trounced? No. Why are we getting beat 8-1 by a team that's one of the dirtiest teams you're going to see? Why are we getting beat 8-1 by a third world country? Let's just no, put that I'm, out I'm, there. I'm not even going to say the powers of me. I'm going to say ask those questions to the players that were on the pitch and then they show up. Yeah, but they're done, right? Like most, like they're yeah, but it's done. like it, it's, it's systematic. It's so deep rooted yeah. in Canadian football, and it's not going to change. Stephen, we were talking about this on the phone the other day about when we think we might possibly see Canada back in the in the World Cup. And Steve, you made a really good point in that. I I, I think it's going to be ten years easily. I think they need to have a deeper pool. Um, it's not enough players right now to even like people to compete for the spots. Um, I think even. There is a chance in the 2022 if USA gets the automatic bid, if they if they get the bid and everything like that from Qatar, and they get well, the automatic get 20, one. And there's, but yeah. and there's also chances, obviously, if CONCACAF gets an extra spot because they've done so well, there's, there's a potential that three out of the four teams could go to the next round, which is more than better percentage than is going to be UEFA, better percentage than Asia, better percentage than Africa. So there's always that chances. But honestly, if everything stays the same, 10 years, I think you're looking at before you competing to go to the World Cup. And, and, and we have to be patient because all these screw-ups that have gone on has happened in the past 10 years. They're not happening now. They're happening in the past 10 years. And it, we're right now is what we're reaping from the, the, the mess-up in the last 10 years. We have to. It's being corrected, it seems like, at this point, based on the youth national teams and everything. And hopefully, within 10 years, we can compete for a World Cup success. I think that uh, I think you're right in terms of we, we've reaped what we've sown, but I think that there are people in the game now who are trying to to, to they're giving their all. No, to that's try, what I'm saying. I'm saying the people that yeah, are working on yeah. it now is gonna be it's gonna get it's getting better. So within ten years, all this stuff is happening now. It's I know because of the last. So 10 years. so when you when you look at when you look at what happened, and obviously this is unbiased in this, but when you look at what happened with when Germany got awarded the twenty two thousand six World Cup in, in the year two thousand. They came together and said, "Look, we can't, we can't keep going the way we're going. We've been shocking. Uh, the, the Euro 2000 performance was just horrendous." Um, they came together and said, "The the, the Deutsche Fußballbund, the, the German Football Federation, came together with, I believe, it was the DFL, like the Bundesliga, and the clubs, and said we need to do this together." And that's what they did. And they invested money in player development. They they made it a high priority to develop German players. And and it it has paid off, so, you know. Ever at 2006, you could say even say, and you know, f- for virtually a decade after. And so, uh, yeah, this is what we need to do. And this conversation, these conversations, from what I understand, are happening with you know the stakeholders in the game, including you know the impact TFC and ourselves. So I I, I still just don't think we have the right people 
at the top in the right positions in the game. One of them being Benito Floro. I just don't think he's the right manager for Canada. But that's a discussion for another time. Let's get back to the World Cup. What player would you say... Obviously, someone may steal the show on Thursday in the, in the four games. But right as of right this minute, what player... I was going to say players, but what player would you say is the player of the first round? Oh, it's hard, as painful as for me to say. How, can you really say anyone other than Leo Messi? Well, I'm going to say something different. Um, I'm going to say... and I don't know if he's the best player, but he's the one that excited me the most. Jaime Rodriguez? Yes, okay. from Colombia. Yeah. Um, I, I knew a little bit of him because there was, there was rumors that he might come to the uh, EPL. He was mentioned that he might be transferring over. And I, I, I've obviously, when I was playing FIFA, I'd always bring him on the team and play with him. But I had no idea he was this good. And I thought Colombia was going to be a good team. I, I thought... But I thought when when they ruled out uh, Falcao out of the team, I thought, you know, maybe it's not going to happen. They might win the group, but that's about it. But uh, Rodriguez has just shown gone different level, and he's actually made this team much better. Who knows uh, how well they could, how far they could go if they had, did have Falcao. It, it would be amazing. I think the Columbia team is really strong. I like that James Rodriguez guy that plays, <laughs> that plays for Columbia. He, he was going to be the guy that I went for. Good yeah. old James. Okay, but he, so he's been influential and he's gotten his team to the top of the group through the next round. But you, like, you can't, you cannot say that anyone's been more significant to their side than Leo Messi. Can you really? I, I, even I was, maybe, actually, I was actually going to go with James. Okay, but like, like, I mean, he maybe hasn't dominated matches in the way. Well, that I think he, he's been, Messi's been phenomenal. Okay, I just, it's just the maybe. I mean, no, I'm not saying the best, like not the best player, but the guy that. Just captured attention okay. and everything like that because everybody knew Messi was going to be like that to, no, cer- to a certain extent. Oh. I know he struggled with the national team, but to a certain extent, he was going to be that level at one point. But, but he has the same number of goals as Neymar. No love for Neymar. Not for me. I can't stand the guy. Why don't you like him, Michael? Uh, there was an incident a couple of years ago between Scotland played Brazil in a friendly. <laughs> of, course. of course. Neymar accused the Tartan Army of racist chants. It was investigated and it was like clear there was no such thing. He never apologised. He went on a big rant about it after the game because he'd been getting booed constantly. And then he was in the Brazilian press talking about it. It was proven that nothing happened and he never, ever apologised. And it's like the whole Sidney LaRue thing with Canada. Accuses the Canadian fans of racist chants. Never happened. No proof of it. Never apologised for making that comment. Well, Sidney well, LaRue, I'm not surprised by, but yeah, that's unfortunate. But, yeah. I, I, I think we probably do have to give it to Messi because the goals that he's got have won his, his team the yes. games. Like that goal against Iran, yeah. clutch, um, fantastic performance. So much pressure on him as well because everyone's expected him to come and fail again and flop. Yeah. And he's kind of like just put his, his middle fingers up to them and said, hey, screw you guys. Three matches, four goals, three game-winning goals. Yeah. So well, I, actually, I, no, I, no, he didn't get the game-winning goal against Nigeria. It'd be, be between Leo and James. Yeah. The one one player that I thought, I didn't get to watch the third game, but for, for France, I thought that short guy, I can't remember his name. Matthew Bobueno? That's yeah, it. I, I, I really like the way. I loved him in that first was, game. He, he was, was really like, good. And he would work with that five foot two chant as well. Because yes. he is five foot two, I think. Yeah. Really. He's been, I mean, don't know if his eyes are blue. Though. He's been quality. Uh, I, I, th- I thought he was really good the first two games. I never got to watch the third game because I figured it was going to suck anyway. So I, I just... Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that was right. this was one of the other questions. Everyone's talked the the USA's group, Group G, Group of Death. Do you agree that no. that has been the group of death no. in this tournament? No. 
Definitely not. What, why do you say no, Steve? I, I just feel like the... But what would you say has been then? I think the the Dutch one, the uh, Group B. I think Chile, I think Spain and, and Netherlands. And I think Australia surprised too. I think that I thought they played yeah, really they, well for what they were. I remember reading an article on Sockley that a guy had written. And it was like when they do this thing, three hopes, one fear. And the big fear was that Australia were going to get hammered yeah. in every game. And they haven't. They really held their own. And I know England obviously not as good as people say anymore. But if, they were if you look at good. If, no, I know. But if you look at the three, that, that group, right? Three former World Cup champions and two of them are out and Costa Rica yeah. with the group well Costa Rica so beat or they beat Italy and uh, Uruguay but they, they held their own at least beat twice and drew with one three of the top ten teams in the world with a crappy coefficient thing because yeah. the reason I mentioned this after I was talking about the France group is for me that group group E is the group of death that group like it just bored me so much. Except um, for France when they play, because they're scoring goals on everybody. I just don't like the French. I know you don't like the French, but they actually played really nice. I, I like I like the Swiss a lot, partly because they have Odmar Hitzfeld. And yeah, see, I don't like the Swiss either. He's an amazing uh, The reason coach. I don't like the Swiss... Uh, this is this, <laughs> this is, is like a two hour podcast. This is like an old man in a cardigan ranting xenophobic things. But anyway, the reason I don't like the Swiss... World Cup 94. I was oh, you, De- oh, you were there. I was in Detroit... It was, U- it was USA versus Switzerland. Our tickets were in the Swiss end because we're well, UEFA tickets. Brigitte. And the Swiss fans saw that we were four Scots and they threw popcorn at us. And ever since then, I have hated the Swiss. And the lesson of this podcast is do not cross Michael or his people. <laughs> um, what other countries do I hate? Let me, let me go through these. <laughs> right. Let me, let, me see, let me see what countries are in here. Um, yeah, like Japan and Korea. Not a big fan of Asian football. I know lots of folk think that it's like really exciting. I don't know, it's just something about them. I just, I, it irritates me watching them play. I don't know why. I, the fans as well, that's another thing. What? Oh, they irritate me. J- like, Japan has had the best supporters at the entire World Cup. Korean fans. They're, they're on their way out the World Cup. There they are, camera turns to them. They're all like, hey, look at us. We're here from Korea. Smiling and, and joking. You weigh that up with how the Spanish fans felt when they knew they were going out the World Cup. That's the difference between a proper footballing nation True. and these little countries that play at it. But Japan's the only, Japan are the only supporters who actually decided to do any kind of TIFO. So I have a lot of respect yeah, for Yeah, I mean, they, they can be a blast sometimes in Japan. <laughs> now, the African countries... You like anyone with a star on their flag, right? I, I, I like, I feel, I, I'm not a big fan of watching the African football. I love their jerseys. Um, I always think that they're really good. I do kind of think that after watching a lot of those kind of Puma jerseys, I may have ordered a size too small. I don't think I've got quite the belly that's going to fit my Cameroon jersey. But the African teams, Algeria aside, and maybe Nigeria a little bit, I think they've been really disappointing. And I think they could lose a spot. I don't think they'll lose a spot. I, the African teams in general... No, Cameroon was the only one really disappointing, I thought. No, but I think maybe uh, in general, I think one of the things is I think they've been tactically found out. I yeah. think they, they have not... They've been, they it's have like they've gone back because like when you watched African teams in the 70s when they qualified... They were exciting. Like, yeah. no, they weren't in the they 70s. Were they, they, they oh, were, sorry, I'm talking about the later. Yeah, they, they were clueless. Yeah. And you've got the famous game that I love, 1974, Zaire versus Brazil... 
uh, when the, <laughs> the desired player is a free kick, he just runs out the wall and kicks the ball away. <laughs> I like to me. That, that was what my image of African football was like. It was like undisciplined. They didn't have the skill. They didn't have the tactics. And then they came on the scene. 1982 World Cup was probably the first one where the, the the African teams really started to excite. Dipped a bit in 86 and then really came into in the, it 90s. in the 90s. Yeah, 90s 1994, sort of like 98, great African nations. They seem to have gone back. Whereas the rest of the world, the rest of the smaller countries like CONCACAF have gone forward. Africa, I don't know what's happening down there. I think they've gone too tactical, basically. Maybe they've gone too, too tactical. tactical. Maybe they've gone no, too tactical. No. Maybe they're trying to be too tactical, no. and it's messing up with their no. other stuff in the game. Have you been watching? Some of them... They, they, I don't they, know. They, I'm, I'm just clutching at they, straws right now. Lacked, I have no idea what's going on. They've lacked shape, and, and they've lacked, they've lacked like a tactical approach. I think they're trying to be it, but they're not, not, they're not succeeding no. at all. I feel they do deserve to lose a spot. I don't think they should have five. South, America, South Americans... Uh, I, I, it's kind of sad Ecuador is going out. Uh, although I want, I want. To I, I got an issue with the, your boss, the MLS website. I don't know what the, what is up with them, but the, the, just constantly, you beat Ghana, you drew a really depleted Portugal side, and all of a sudden you're claiming you guys are top ten material. Well, like I, I, what, I, I find interesting, I listen to a lot of the English phone-ins. There's so many. English fans going on these phone-ins going, we should play more like America. We should look at getting Jurgen Klinsmann as our manager. And it's like a couple of years ago, the American game was just poo-pooed. MLS is poo-pooed for being weak, everything like that. And now these guys are like, we should take a leaf out of America's book. That's one hell of a turnaround. Yeah. On a serious note, I, I did think all six South American teams were going to go through. I think Ecuador, <laughs> yeah. Ecuador got screwed over a little bit. It was bit. a... I, right... Let's we've talk, like we'll wrap this up because folk are probably at home going. Okay, the next next round's going to start at this rate. That sending off of Valencia today for Ecuador. Do you think it was a sending off? I don't think it was a sending off in a million years. I was listening to it on the radio on the the, the, the drive in here. This that's one where he rolled over the ball and it went into yeah. the guy's leg. Yeah, I thought it was a bit harsh. I thought Marquisio's was also very harsh against Costa Rica. I did not think. I think in the Premier League and the Bundesliga, I don't think that's a red card. Who was it that was doing the funky dancing? Was that Ecuador or Colombia? Colombia. Colombia. Colombian celebrations have been awesome. Colombia yeah. salsa. It's a strange one for me as well because it seems that the South American countries are all kind of clubbing together and it's like they're cheering each other on. And that's something that wouldn't happen in Europe, I don't think. Saturday's going to be really good for them because they, they got like four teams in one, one, four, four teams in two games playing and yeah. it's going to be enjoyable to watch. So I think we'll wrap up now because they seem to have a tractor on the pitch. Uh, I think we might have moved to, to Norwich or Ipswich. I'm not sure what's going on. So thanks for listening to this mishmash of stuff. Whitecaps, World Cup things. Um, just quick round the table if everyone can let everyone know if they can hear us over the noise where they can find you online. So Zach. Uh, Zachary AM or at Zachary AM on Twitter and the movement uh, that I'm a part of is Curva Collective, at Curva Collective. Steve. Uh, at Whitecaps Beat on Twitter and uh, check out Residency Week on AFTN. That's here. And I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. Most of the beat writer for the Whitecaps are MLSSoccer.com and you can read my Whitecaps coverage on Soccerly.com. I don't have a movement, but I'm hoping to have an Indian at the weekend, so I might have one then. Whitecaps back in action, MLS is back, hooray, we've missed this excitement, hopefully it maybe kicks up a gear in the all-western clash on Saturday, 
We'll maybe bring you a podcast next week after that. Some White Cats PDL games coming up on Sunday and Tuesday. So try and get out to one of those. Canada Day on Tuesday. Support your Canadian boys for the White Caps under 23. Good luck to the residency as well. Might be over by the time that they hear this, but good luck to them. Hope they both get into the into the finals week. So thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, take care. Mon the caps. And let's just hope for a good second round of the World Cup and a lengthy ban for Luis Suarez. Night, everyone. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.